So if you're, if you're new this morning, you join us as part of our series, and we are in week six of, of Acts, which is all about love in action. Um, and so last week, um, Chantelle did a tremendous job speaking about the giving her best despite her feelings. And I think sometimes, sometimes we do have real feelings, and it's a bit hurtful. Sorry, keep an eye on the time, sorry. Um, I just talked about putting others before ourselves, regardless of their circumstances, position, or behavior towards us, which is very much easier said than done. And the, the really nice easy part afterwards was blessing those that persecute us. Um, and you'll be pleased to hear that this week is kind of like a follow-on. So it's kind of nice and light again, and it's really, it's not going to challenge us in any way, shape, or form, and we're just going to come out um, feeling all great and wonderful today. So if you have your Bible or if you have eyes, we're going to look at the screen. Um, and this week it's called Giving Our Best uh, When It Hurts. And you'll notice it says when it hurts and not if. Because we're pretty much guaranteed in life, like there's people in life, sometimes it's going to be a wee bit tough. Because sometimes pe- people can be annoying, can't they? Let's be honest. Some, and, sometimes, and sometimes we are that person. Um, so this, this message is hopefully going to encourage us and and challenges on giving our best when it hurts. So we're in Romans still, Romans chapter 12, and verses 17 to 20. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I'm going to guess this part of the Bible might not be underlined in most of our Bibles. This isn't the kind of stuff you read and go, oh, brilliant, I love that. That amazing, this is like life-giving and and it's brilliant. But if we embrace this and what what the message is behind it, um, it, it's it's life-giving. Excuse me. We are getting into the, the nitty-gritty part of the chapter. Um, Paul, in his wisdom and experience, gives us his insight. So he kind of says to us, like, you know, I've, I've learned the hard way, so learn from me, and, you know, you, you might get it a little bit easier. And, you know, sometimes it, it is, uh, it's going to be tough, it's going to be difficult, it, it's not going to be easy. Um, but if we, if we follow the advice given, um, we'll, we'll be all right. And... I suppose when you think of what's that mean for us in real life about the, a plan ourselves and sometimes life's tough, but if we, if we dig in, um, it, it'll be worth it in the end. Um, one that I'm not so hot on was studying for exams. You know, if, like, if, if, I, I fully get the fact that it's hard to, to get your head into studying and thinking, but apparently if you, if you apply yourself and put in the, the hard work, you can, you can reap a reward later on in life, like get, going to university and stuff. Um, so I can't, I can't speak much about that one, but for me, I can speak about physical exercise and, and I don't want to say dieting, but having better food choices. It's, you know, do you know like when you come to Tuesday morning and it's tea time and you go for a walk and you walk past, like we go for a walk every day and work, and we we'll have to walk past two bakers. And there's one, sit, like you just have the big cream buns just sitting looking at you. And you're like, I really want one. I'm walking, I'll burn it off. And it's like, and then I look at Paul and he looks at me and he's like, ah, go ahead. 
But if but if 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 you make that so it's all it's Paul, it's not me. And and Steve's very well behaved to be fair. Credit to him. But making good food choices, if I if I say no to that there cream bun and no to the, the big dirty fry and all the all all the, all the really good stuff that we like that we can't have, it, it, it pays off whenever I put on my jeans and I don't have to think, oh, I need to get a bigger size here. I'll put on, I put on a stretchy jeans today. You know, it's like, how many, t- how many times can you put on stretchy jeans before you realize I need to stop eating so much? But if we put in the effort, if we put in the effort, you know, it's, it pays off. And there's a bit of short-term pain saying no to the cream bun for, for the long-time gain. You know, you know we, we get to the start of the year, we get to January, and we all start thinking, you know, summer's coming. Well, we're going to go on holiday somewhere. We need to get the beach body ready. And you put in the effort. And it's exactly the same principle when it comes to, to the kingdom. Whenever we put in the effort, whenever we put our, put our, uh, get our hands dirty, it's going to pay off in the long run. And like Paul, like in the Bible, not our Paul, he had tremendous wisdom. And he, he, there's this beautiful line he speaks about in Second Timothy chapter three, and he says, uh, "Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ um, will be persecuted." Isn't that just tremendous news this morning? That we're we're going to have tough times. It's not going to be easy, so we might as well just deal with the fact that it's going to be tough sometimes, and and learn how to manage that, and learn how to not get frustrated or, or get annoyed. So it's about how we handle that that persecution or that unfair treatment. And uh, these verses warn us against taking justice into our own hands, because we, you know, what what use is that going to be? Our job as Christians is to is to reflect the love of Jesus, even to the nasty people, the, the not nice people, the the mean people. And that's just the people I work with. Um, so we're we'll have as we read in Romans twelve, um, there's four verses, but we're going to in true preaching form, we're going to split into three parts, three point sermon. Isn't that wonderful? So that means you can count how how long we're going to be. So we're going to start number one. Um, so and the first part is a rough slide. Um, yeah, so there's three parts. It's going to be integrity, resisting revenge, and following Jesus' example. So for those of us who love taking notes, there's three wonderful things to take away with us. Um, integrity, resisting revenge, and following Jesus' example. That's a nice little sandwich over there um, to, to, to feast on this morning. So verse 17, um, integrity. Verse 17, say again, with the Bible. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And this isn't about people pleasing. Um, it's not about just kind of being that guy that is so wonderful, you know. Because and, and, when you start people pleasing, you feel a bit of pressure in life, and then you're, you're making it about, about us. This is about showing the love of Jesus, um, especially to, to, to everybody. And I think especially in the hard times, because it says in Matthew that we're the light of the world. And that doesn't stop just because we're having a tough time. So whenever we're going through a bit of a, we're getting a tight or, we're, you know, we're getting life's a wee bit hard, people are watching us. You know, our friends are watching us, our family are watching us, our workmates are watching us. The people that we see in the coffee shop, they're watching us and, and they're listening to what we have to say. And so th- th- this, this verse and this little passage, it's about integrity and about doing the right thing. And there's a beautiful um, word I love in the Bible about, and it says being beyond reproach. And I just think that's a lovely word. And it's about being blameless. Um, as I say, it's not about being perfect. It's not about, but it's being blameless. So people can be like, hang on a minute. You've been through that there. You know, this person said that about you. They were, they, they, they did this against you. And, and you still love them. What's that all about? 
And it's exactly what, what Jesus did for us. And the sooner we get that realization, um, the better. Um, sorry, come on. So there's someone Philippians. There's actually a verse I wanted to read. Does anyone know what Philippians is in the Bible? When you, when you don't use an app, you have to actually remember things. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I'll say it one more time, actually. That's a good one. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So it'd be a great verse for teenagers. Maybe we should get the glass house ones back in. And, uh, and maybe some of the older teenagers and, and the other people. Um, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Because we are that light and people are looking at us. And it's, in, it's, in the, it's whenever we, we, we can easily have that choice to be like, you know what, I, 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 you don't understand. Some people go, oh, he said this, she said that. But, but you, you, know, you, weren't, you, you don't understand. He, he hasn't been here. That, that doesn't matter. But I, I know, I know you're, you're saying to me, what, what, what does this mean in the Bible? Where does it, Whose example can we follow in the Bible? And we can turn to a, a hero in the Bible called David. And what I love about David is that he made quite a lot of mistakes. Because um, you, you look at him, you're like, you know, he's not necessarily a stand-up character um, in some of the things that he does. But, but there's something about him. He's, a, he's a real and honest about where he's at and about, about who he is. So in 1 Samuel chapter 24, um, it's this story where um, David's running from, from Saul. So David's been, he's been told he's going to be the future king and he's, he's, he's just amazing. He's a great guy and he's, he's, he's doing his apprenticeship and he's serving under, under Saul and him and Saul's son Jonathan become best mates and he has this kind of favor then and Saul, uh, Jonathan kind of gives him the heads up whenever Saul's getting angry. It's like, you know, here, dad's getting a bit annoyed. Do your own, would you? you know, go for, your own, for your own good, for your own safety. So if we're having good people in, in our lives, but First Samuel 24, um, David's in a cave, and, and Saul's beginning to look for him. And he's, he's, he's brought a few friends with him to try and find David. So First Samuel 24, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went to, to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. So this, this, is, this is David's opportunity. David's hiding, he's, and Saul doesn't know he's there. And he, he can see him. It's like, you know, this is my opportunity. I'm going to go and give him what for. You know, I'm going to make sure he doesn't leave this cave alive. And maybe you could say he, he was justified in wanting to do that. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscience stricken for having cut a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul and, and left the cave and, and went his way. And Saul left the cave and went his way. So he was, Saul was in David's grasp. So he, physically, he could have physically went and attacked him. Like he, it, was, he, it was there. But this is, this is like the, the good part of David. This is where he becomes a hero. 
he, he realized that he, he was still a man after God's heart. He was still a worshiper. And even in, in the midst of all his, all, the people, all his mates saying, go for it, mate, I understand. He, he said that. He, he wants to kill you. Just, just take him out. It's okay. It's fine. And the fact that David was a worshiper and he knew the right thing to do wasn't to, to touch um, the, the king who was, who was God's anointed because there was, there was knock-on effects to that there. And that would have hindered David then being able to walk into his calling later on in his life. And what I like about David is he recognized that, that peace was a choice. You know, we, we can choose to, to make peace an option in our lives or, or we can choose not to. Um, but I just find that quite powerful that it's a choice. It, it's, not, it's not something that just lands upon us or we're just lucky if, we, if it happens. We can, choose, we can choose peace. And what we do then whenever we choose peace, um, I was talking to someone this week about forgiveness and the experience of what forgiveness is like. And I remember a time whenever um, we were doing a life group with the Gurners and identity, was it? Identity. And as part of it, there was declarations to do. Um, you could, and they're all biblical declarations of things to, to speak over your life and to pray over. And if, if, the, if you ever get the opportunity to do the life group, I thoroughly recommend it. It is life-changing and amazing. And we still have all the declarations and sometimes we do them again. But one of the weeks was about forgiveness. And the first line said, I forgive, and there was a big blank line. And you had to think of the people in your life or a person or whatever it might be, someone that's wronged you, someone that's upset you, whatever it might be. And I, I then, I, I spoke out a few names. None of you are here, so it's okay. You know, I spoke out a few names. And as I did it, it was just a tremendous moment of, of God's forgiveness. And it made me realize how much God had forgiven me, which then the following 35 to 40 minutes was just me lying on my bed crying just because I realize how much God has forgiven me for, for me being an idiot and for, for the things that I've done. And then I was like, wow, God, you've done that for me. And then whenever I then spoke out the forgiveness to the, the people that had wronged me, it was literally, as, like, I could feel it lift off me. It was this, it was, I don't even know what it was, but like, my shoulders felt lighter and God's presence just filled the room. And that was just, that was an amazing moment to receive God's peace. And the choice was mine. I could have had my, my unforgiveness hidden underneath somewhere and might have come back to bite me later on. But God in his, in his grace and his mercy and his love said, you know what, because you've done that, you know, you're gonna, you can receive the peace that comes with that. And it was, it was powerful. And uh, yeah, so if you ever get a chance to do the life group, 100% go for it. And this is what, this is what David did. You know, and he said, I'm, I'm not going, I'm choosing peace. I'm not going to kill him because I know that, that God's watching. And what would that have done? The, the knock-on effects to David killing Saul would have been catastrophic for, for Israel and for the nation. And who knows what would have happened. God would have had to intervene again. Um, so the next verse um, ties in nicely with um, what, what Saul did. And the next verse says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everybody. We need to resist the urge to, to get revenge. Whenever we, we choose peace, we're saying, you know what, God? You've got this. You know what you're doing. And, and I, I trust that you know what you're doing, God, and I'm not going to stand in the way. And there's a tremendous book that I really uh, like. I'm going to read. It's only a very small passage. It's a small small enough that I can fit on an Instagram post, so you, that's not very big. Um, it's a book called How's Your Soul by one of the, the best communicators in the world right now. His name's Judah Smith. And 
he, uh, he speaks about what a surrendered life is. And this is, this is part of what I feel that David was, was wrestling with and something that we wrestle with. And he's talking about surrendered life. So some people think surrender is a sacrifice. I see surrender as the safest place to live. If God is leading, then all the pressure is on him. A surrendered life can say, God, this is your fault. You're the one who got me into this mess. So you're the one who needs to get me out of it. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm in way over my head. But God, I'm totally surrendered to you. This is on your schedule. So this one's completely on you. And I just love that image because whenever we're, we're getting this tight and, and we're, we're struggling and we're like, what's this all about, God? If God brought us into it, it's like, it's, it's, you, you can get me out of it, God. It's, it's completely on you. And it takes the pressure off. And that's what choosing peace does. It takes the pressure off us and it takes the burden off and it removes um, the, the weight of carrying that with us. There's a, there's a bit of a difference, a massive difference between being a difficult person and, and having a difficult conversation. Um, so there may be difficult people that you can't speak to and like they're just awkward and they're quite uh, facetious and annoying. And I don't have a little brother, but I imagine that's what a little brother would just be constantly. Um, but if we if we live a surrendered life in, in Christ and and chew and, and follow what God has us and where He has us to go, we might we might find ourselves in positions where we have difficult people. But God's going to give us the opportunity to have conversations, and instead of killing the person, extreme example, um, we're going to because He's with us, He's going to show us how to, to speak to those people. So the circumstance, the people aren't going to change. The people are still going to be people, but our like our view of them. The way we see them, that's going to change, and that's going to help us to, to, to love them better and to, to show them a better way. And it's not going to become, a, it'll not be a fight, it'll not be a struggle. They'll, they'll, they'll realize, hang on, this person actually cares enough to speak to me nicely. You know, they, they could easily have a go at me, they could shout at me, but they've, they've invited me out for coffee and we're having a wee chat and it's all good. But that comes from so resisting revenge, that comes from, from following what God has for us. And that's... Isn't it peace with everyone? That's easy. It's easy to say. Like, but what does that? What does that mean? You know, Northern, Northern Ireland. That means living at peace with the people who put X in a different box from us whenever we're going to the polling station. You know, and and that's obviously that's quite pertinent for where we're at at the minute. And like politics is so divisive, um, and we're so easily we're, we jump on board and jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, they're this, that, and the other, and and. Would anyone want to be a politician? Anyone? But maybe, maybe we could just pray for our politicians. And instead of being, being the jumping on the bandwagon of oh, politicians are, are horrific, maybe, maybe we could pray for them and, and uh, resist the urge to, to find, find a way to, to punish one, one side. You know, it's like, if we vote them in, they're not getting in. That's not what it's at. And something last night really spoke to me um, massively, and I never really thought about it. Um, we were praying for um, our politicians in the, the current uh, election. And whoever it was was speaking. It was God sending the message, so it didn't matter who it was. He said, it doesn't matter. It, we need to ask God who we're voting for. Because we need to ask God, what's he doing? What, what does he, what, what's God's plan for Northern Ireland? It, it's not like, you know, what is the various political party that we might like, we, we, we align to, or might not align to, because we don't like that one. It's about God, what are you saying? Like what is the best thing? Who's going to give the best kingdom 
that message for, for Northern Ireland. It doesn't matter about all those other things that we get distracted by in the wee pamphlets that you sit and read over breakfast if you're sad like me. Um, but it's, it's about saying, God, what are you doing in this? Like, what's your plan for our nation? And, you know, <laughs> it's something that it really, really, really struck me and kind of made me, because I was, if I'm being honest, I was leaning towards the old uh, not voting kind of thing in Thursday. And I was like, no, we need to. It's like, God, who are you send to vote for? God, who, 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 who's your heart for? So how, what, what's that mean in what we're talking about? I don't really know, but I went there. It's choosing peace and, and, and living peaceably and, and letting God look after people and deal with people because we can't do it. Um, our job is to, is to follow what God has for us. And whenever we do that, he opens the doors for us and, and, and closes doors for us. Uh, Mike Pilaracci spoke the other week and he said, God's love language is obedience. And it's a, a, a powerful message. Um, you know, it's not about as much as acts are great and wonderful, the, thing, the, the, acts, the series that we're doing. If we're just doing it because we feel it's, it's nice and all that there, then, well, it's all well and good. But if we're doing it because God says, I want you to show love to people. I want you to show love to, to the poor, to the, to the needy, to... When you honor people, whenever we do that there and, and step out in obedience to what God has for us, then it activates, it activates something in God. It activates the miraculous and it, it creates opportunities for, for, for God to move. And that's kind of what I love about the whole uh, upside down kingdom type of thing. It's completely counter-cultural. And, you know, when you, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount and, and all that's gone on there and what Jesus says, you know, this is the way it used to be, but this is what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense in our wee heads. We can't quite comprehend it. Maybe we don't need to. We just need to say, okay, God, you've said it. So I believe where, where you're going with that. What do you want to do with it next? And so as we, as we step out and, and we do the stuff that he says, we love our neighbors, we, we serve, we give, and um, we, we just let God take care of it because he knows what he's doing. And the last two verses, um, you'd be glad to know we're coming close to the end. So coffee and donuts are, are, are imminent. Verses 19 and 20. Um, this is, I think this is my favorite part, if I'm being honest. Um, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Can anybody hear Doc Cotton saying that? She used to say, oh, you just hear sitting in the, the Queen Vic just saying that. So, oh, shut up, Doc. Um, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Um, so there's, there's a guy, I'm going to show a picture here of this guy here. Does anybody know who this guy is? Um, if we go to the next one, does anybody know who this guy is and what this is from? This is, this is, this is Herman Boone. The first one, not him. He's, he's an actor. A really good one at that. And the story behind um, Remember the Titans, which is one of the best films ever. Um, hands down, no doubt about it. So this guy, Herman Boone, he, he, he understood the upside-down kingdom. He understood what it meant to follow Jesus' example. So back in the 60s or 70s, whenever it was, and the film only came out in the 90s, so I don't know when, when it was actually set. True story it was. There was... There was issues in America with, with uh, blacks and whites not, not, not getting on. And there was division in school, and it was, it was horrific. But, but 
Herman stood in the gap and said, you know, this isn't, this is, enough's enough. We need to end this. We need to get rid of this guff. You know, at the end of the day, we're just people. And I'm not sure whether Herman decided or thought we'll make a film out of this one day and it's going to be great. But, but what he did was, and, and, and he suffered, and he, he, was, he was persecuted, and his house was attacked by people, and he was bricks and all thrown through his window. He, was, he lost job, he lost of a job, and all this here kind of stuff. But, but Herman said, you know what? There's something greater than just two communities who, who don't get on well. I'm not sure whether Herman was a Christian, but he's a great example of what a Christian is because he stood in the gap and said, right, I'm willing. I'm going to put my neck on the line here. Let's, let's mix it up. Let's all be friends. And thankfully for them, they had a, they had a good, football, um, good football season and it brought people together. And then from that there, um, once again, sport. Sport's a tremendous, tremendous uh, weapon. If you're not interested in sport, you might want to consider getting interested. It's, it's, it's a tremendous weapon in, in bringing people together. And Herman was a, a great example of that. And if you, if you watch the film, um, if you don't cry, then you're not human. Um, and you might want to then watch it again. Because what he, you know, it's, it's, he's leading people by example. And at the start, he's doing it by himself. And, and there's, the, there's the, the, one, the two football teams trying to merge together. And there's one or two that kind of get it. And then they don't. But, but he, he's consistent throughout. And he, he challenges them. And he says, you know, I don't care if you like it. This is what we're doing. And, uh, and he was persistent. And, and he stood in the gap. Um, the, the next example on the screen, you probably know this guy. If you don't, you know, anyone know who this guy is? Yes, brilliant. Gordon Wilson, um, another man who is an absolute hero. Um, if you don't know the story, Gordon Wilson's daughter was, was killed in uh, the Remembrance Day bombing in Enniskillen. Um, and a man who had every right to get angry that, that his daughter was, was taken. His daughter was, was brutally murdered well before her time. And what was his response? Like, his response was love. His response was forgiveness. And uh, Alan Grant, I'm not taking the credit for this, Alan Grant says he's potentially probably one of the, the first people to start the peace process in Northern Ireland. And what a hero. And, you know, and unfortunately, he died before the Good Friday Agreement and he maybe didn't get to see the full outcome of his actions. But, but he was the kind of person that could easily have got angry and got upset, but trying to understand and comprehend what he went through and, and how he's shown that love, that's, that's an example for us. The, and that's a really real example for us. You know, some American football wouldn't get that or not, but this happened in our, in our little country very recently. And these are the kind of people we need to look at and follow their example. So I hear you ask, um, what does heaping coals mean? Does anyone know what heaping coals means? Um, I wasn't 100% sure what the heaping coals actually meant, and I looked at it, I was trying to figure out, and there was about four or five different theories as to what heaping coals in someone's head was. And the, 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 over, the overlying um, theme was, it was about generosity, and it's about giving, and it's especially about giving to people who, who don't have. So you would have had um, a, you know, coal for, for burning and cooking and stuff, and if someone had to run out, they would have came to your house and said, can I have some coal? And um, it's like, maybe. Do I like you? Do I not like you? Um, and they could give enough. You could just give them a wee, a wee scoop of coal to go and they could light their fire, they could heat their house, they could cook for their family. Um, or else heaping coals speaks of, of generosity, about going above and beyond. Giving them enough for, for what they need. 
and then a little bit more to, to keep them going for a while longer so they can get their fire going again so they can come into the wee, the wee ash bucket, get all their coals and go back and, and keep the fire going for longer. Um, it's primarily about generosity. And uh, as, as Elaine was alluding this morning, you know, we, were we generous or were we not generous? Um, Romans 4, chapter 2, no, chapter 4, verse 2, um, tells us that, that God's kindness leads us to repentance. So as we follow the example of, of Harmon Boone and, and, and Gordon Wilson and, and heap coals upon our neighbors, our, our friends, our family, the people in our community, what we're doing, we're showing love and we're, and we're, we're showing them the love of God. A, a simple, you know, here's a lollipop, you know, here's a, here's a tin of sweets. It's, we just love you. Thanks for what you're doing. It's brilliant. And I'll be honest, I'm, I might go into some of the schools tomorrow and ask a few questions. There's some, there's some people that go to the schools in Carrick that are in our church, and, and there's a few questions need to be answered. I'm not looking at anyone in particular um, or, or, or that way at the, the young people, but the teachers do have a lot to answer for. But we, we want to show them. We want to show them love. And that's what we're doing. And what we're doing is by, by heaping coals and showing them love, we're letting the love of God lead them to, to repentance. Because they might eat their, their tin of biscuits tomorrow, and then that'll be it, and they'll forget who gave them the tin of biscuits. Then they'll be walking through Carrick one day and they'll see the wee, they'll, they'll walk past the office and they'll see the, oh, can I bring that? You know, they're the ones that gave us the sweets. They're the ones that gave us the biscuits. They're the ones that are the park one. And, and what that does, we're, we're planting the seeds and, and, and we're letting, we're letting God do all the hard work. We're just doing the, the easy part. I mean, how hard is it to do this? That's from Carrick Vineyard, thanks. Is, is that, can anyone, can anyone not do that? It's so, so simple, and in that there's simple action by, by heaping the coals, by, by giving to people and being generous with their, with their time, with their resources, and you know then obviously with their, if we're talking in the church context, with potentially our money and, and our time in, in serving on teams. As we do that, as we, as we give to the kingdom, we're letting God do all the hard work, and we're just saying, okay, God, I'm doing my part. You do yours. Back to the, the quote about, about a surrendered life. It's like, God, you said, you know, if we do, our, if we do this and this here, stuff will happen. I've done my part, so completely, okay, fill your boots, God, you got this. So the, the application, what does that mean to us? What does that look like for us? Um, on the screen, do we, do we need to forgive anyone? Do we need to ask God to, to show us where are we hold him back in our life? Um, are we being generous enough with our, with our time and our resource and our, and our energy? Um, a big shout out to the setup team this morning, or the makeshift setup team thankful because otherwise you'd all be standing and that would be quite uncomfortable i'm sure um but you know it's uh, the small things like that that we do that have that last have lasting impacts you know, by simply putting out a chair by by making coffee by serving on the kids team you're you're allowing someone you're releasing somebody to receive from god you know and the fact that we we'll have the uh, the tremendous kids ministry and people are giving up their time that allows parents to come and receive and have about half an hour free time to be fair it's so a big shout out to your kids team as well but as, we, as we're generous with our resources, God, God does. He, he honors that there and, and things happen because we're not doing it for, for ourselves or for, for Paul and Chantel. We're doing it for the kingdom. We give to the kingdom and, and we give to the kingdom in mind because, you know, ultimately, it's, it's not about people. It's not about the people that we're, we're given to. We're, we're given completely to God and, and, and we're trusting that he knows what, what he's going to do whenever we serve, whenever we give of our resources and, and give of ourselves. Yeah, so, what does our next act look like? You know, this is going to be our last, tomorrow's our last uh, act in our, in our series that we're doing. But that doesn't mean the action stopped. 
you know, what, what does that look like for us? What, what, what can we do next? What's God calling us to? You know, where is God calling us to? And is, is, God, is God even speaking to us? If he's not, let's spend a bit of time listening to him. So this morning, um, as we're coming into a bit of worship, which is really tremendous, um, so I just want to think of those few things. You know, what, what's God saying to us? And, and what, what does he want us to do? And let's just uh, ask him and see what he says.